Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm Rachel Yucatel. Thanks so much for coming. Our next guest, I'm so excited to have. He's an author, actor, American blogger, columnist, media personality, podcaster, father. I could go on and on and on. Perez Hilton, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. So I, I, I would say we're both misunderstood. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, that's why I wanted you here. So I don't know if you remember how far we go back, do you? Oh, of course, yes. So well, let, yeah. let's paint the picture right okay. now. I'm in Las Vegas. This is, this is my new hometown, but I've been coming here for decades. You know, I first came to Vegas in the fall of 2005. Mm-hmm. And around that time, not that long after, I met you. And this was back when you were working in nightlife, uh, uh, another lifetime ago. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And no one knew me except for if you came to Vegas and you would stop by Tao. And I was the director of VIP operations at Tao Nightclub in the Venetian. And you uh, came in and you were, um, I guess at the time you were very famous. I mean, I was in awe of you, you know, and I was very happy to have you there. And I was, um, you know, excited to see you there. And I think you came into Vegas. Um, were you, you were a blogger at the time, right? But you were covering media stories and you were, you had your website at the time. Yeah. 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 You know, I, the first time I ever came to Vegas was for work. Mm-hmm. I had my, my, my website, um, but it was for a specific event. I remember it vividly. It was, I think, October of 2005. And, you know, what I love about Vegas is, is that it's a lot like New York City. There's so much turnover. There's newness. It's like a human being. It's constantly changing. And this was back when the Hard Rock Hotel was very popular and Body English, their club was launching and Paris Hilton got hired to host the opening of Body English. And a couple of days prior to that, she had broken up with her fiance, one of the two Greeks that she was engaged to. Okay. And re- she did the red carpet because she's still Paris, but she refused to do any interviews. And then she saw me and she gave me the only interview of the night. So the magazine that I was freelancing for at the time, In Touch, shout out to Dan Wakeford. Uh, they were very happy about that. And uh, it was a very memorable first weekend ever in Vegas. And then I just kept coming back because I love Vegas and now I live here. Right. That's amazing. So in 2005, we had just opened Tao and I had just moved to Vegas and I had come from working at Bloomberg News and it was very new to me too, but they had put me in charge of all the celebrities and running the door at the same time. And I was new to it, but I really picked up on it and it was incredible to me, but I got to meet all the celebrities as well. So we kind of meshed because, you know, that was my job, but, um, you know, so all these celebrities walked through my door and it was my job to take care of them, to be their wing woman, to kind of hide their secrets um, and to make sure that they were okay. So that's how I got to meet all these people as well. And Tao still is one of the biggest clubs in Vegas. But Mm -hmm. back then when you were working there, it was like the spot. Right. It was the spot. And it had such impeccable customer service that I don't think people really understand. It was run in such a way that... I mean, we had such a lineup of how you. Wait, I want to. I want to tell a secret. I want to let's tell. Let's tell some secrets. Oh okay. my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay. Oh my god! Just because. Just because. Oh my god! 
calm down. Oh my okay. God. Deep breath. Just, just, just because my brain went to 2005, should we tell the story about Paris at the opening of Tao? Go for it. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Go for it. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes celebrities behave by their own rules. Sure. Mm -hmm. And by sometimes, I mean most of the time. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> for yes. a variety of reasons. They mm -hmm. either want or expect special treatment. They think they're different or special. Paris Hilton was at the opening of Tao in 2005. Listen, and I love Paris and I got to give her major props for her glow up. You know, I look at her over the last couple of years and now she's a mother. She's settled down. She was very young then. We all have our wild child days, but you know, she grew up a socialite in New York City, exploded with reality television fame, and was just accustomed to certain things, didn't like waiting in lines. <laughs> and I don't know exactly what happened, but word got back to me that Paris just popped a squat and took a piss. That's right. I was there. Outside, somewhere, like not in the bathroom. You no. were there. You saw it. Tell it. Tell us what happened. So she was at her table and she had to go to the bathroom and she just <laughs> did not want to make it all the way to oh the bathroom. So she just, it's and I don't, and she didn't have any underwear on, I guess. So she just lifted up her skirt and went. So, so says the, the rumor. I mean, listen, we, we don't, it was dark. It was dark. But so many, you know, so many rumors went on that way. It was dark and there was a lot of people. So all I know is we had clean up in aisle seven right over there. So that was well, it. I've actually witnessed a celebrity do that myself. Also, Lady Gaga rehearsing for the American Music Awards in 2010. I don't know why she just did not want to go to the bathroom. But thankfully, she didn't pee on the floor. She peed in a bucket. So, okay. Okay. You know. e easier for, for the cleanup. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So those were some really great days. Really fun. I loved it. It was one of the best jobs I ever had. For That was for sure. Um, so let's talk about how you got to who you are, right? How you got to be Perez Hilton. Um, where did you come from? Who are you? Let's, let's start there. I grew up in Miami, Florida, the son of two Cuban immigrants. And that really made me, I would say, because unlike Paris Hilton, not a diss, okay, just giving context, I really had to create everything from scratch. Nothing was ever handed to me. There was no nepotism. I had to get my own way through college. Thankfully, I did very well in school and got a full scholarship to NYU. And I wanted to be an actor. That's what I studied at the Tisch School of the Arts. What a waste of a degree. But hey, I got a full scholarship. That so wasn't the end of the world. I moved out to Los Angeles, was a failed actor, like most actors that move out to Los Angeles. Right. But I was always very practical. I never wanted to get a job as a bartender or a waiter. So I always had a dependable day job that would let me go out on auditions. And I somehow ended up working at a gay men's magazine. And I somehow just, it was the thing at the time, discovered blogging. Had I been 10 years younger, it might've been YouTube. Had I been 15 years younger, it might've been Instagram. Had I been 20 years younger, it might've been TikTok. There's always a thing and of the time. And back in 2004, this was really 
before social media. Mm -hmm. There was no Instagram in 2004. There was no YouTube in 2004. Facebook had just launched within a month or two of me starting. And can I just stop you? And the only thing people could really equate that to, it was like Radar Online, TMZ, right? No, that didn't exist. Oh, it didn't exist. They didn't exist. No. So there was nothing to refresh. It was just me. It was you. It helped me. You know, I, I gave... I don't want to take credit for TMZ, but I'm pretty sure they saw that this dude got so much success so quickly. You know, so much can change over the years, but one thing remains the same, and it is the speed at which things can happen online and on social media. And within six months of me starting my little blog, I was on television and it blew my mind because I didn't think anybody was reading it. You so know, how did you thing, even come up with that idea? You know, it was just curiosity. It's such a different world now, but I think some of the same principles apply. I just did what I was interested in. Meaning when I discovered blogging, I said, let me try it. And thank God it was simple and easy because I am not a tech savvy person. My sister is. She's that side of the brain. I'm the creative, you know, crazy fun side. And it was this, this service called Blogspot or Blogger. You signed up, you clicked a few buttons, you customize your template, you know, you, you pick your color. And within minutes, you could have been, you know, talking to anybody, any part of the world. And what set me apart was back then, people that did have blogs, it was very much first person, like an online journal, a diary. Ooh, I went out on a date with so-and-so and I had an awful time or whatever it might be. But I just always was drawn to celebrities. It was imprinted on me at an early age. And actually, through many years of therapy (laughs) and just growing up in adulthood, celebrities and what I do for a living really saved my life (laughs) because my dad died when I was very young. It was the summer between sophomore and junior year of high school. And my mother, this Cuban immigrant who was doing her best. And it was a different time, the nineties, you know, she was just trying to hold it all together and not die herself. Mm. So we never talked about things. She never put me in therapy, which is what I would do. if Something traumatic like that happened now with me, with, with a family member, God forbid. So I never processed it, but I drowned myself in the television. It be. And and it saved me, but it also became a crutch because I wasn't present in my young adult life or my young life. Like I, I was just this like zombie glued to the television and listening to the radio and reading Vanity Fair at 15 years old and reading Billboard, which is very expensive. And I would go to the, the uh, newsstand behind my house and pick it up. And it really just fostered this deep appreciation, admiration, respect, and knowledge of all things celebrity, which I then carried over. And, you know, I was a see you next Tuesday early in my career. I take full accountability for that. I'm responsible for my actions. I don't blame it on anything that happened in my life. I'm just giving context, Mm -hmm. which is what's great about your podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, they, that cliche, hurt people, hurt people. I clearly was a hurt 
a totally broken person. And I think over the last decades, whether it be getting health, starting with getting healthier, that was the beginning of healing myself, you know, not being this like extremely overweight, unhealthy person, having children, being faced with the hurt I caused others and looking at that mirror. I've been healing myself over the last few decades, but at the beginning of my career, I was just a hurt person. I was a very insecure person and I found something that worked for me. And I, and I was like, wow, this thing is, 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 is really getting a lot of attention. I need to continue to do it and do it even bigger and harder and more. And I foolishly kept feeding my brain these fake narratives saying things like the people that I am picking on that, that I don't like, they deserve it. They're just not good people. And I'm like, what kind of stupid BS is that? And like, I, I would pick on people that didn't deserve it just because if I, I didn't like them, it was sometimes just very arbitrary. Like I had my heroes and my villains. I viewed them as characters instead of real people, which was dumb and stupid. I would say things like, well, I'm just saying to my friends online, what I'm telling my friends in the real world, or, you know, it's just a character. If people don't like what I'm writing, it doesn't bother me because it's not the real me. Like that's just some Jekyll and Hyde BS. Like I had to wake up and like, no, it's you saying those things. It's not, not some character. So, you know, and then like, I can't even claim the ignorance of youth because I wasn't a kid when I started. I was in my mid to late 20s. You know, this is why I fully understand why a lot of the public hates me and are not willing to see me for who I am today, which is a very different person. At the time, I knew what I was doing was wrong and I didn't care. I was so selfish. All I cared about was the money I was making, the views, the clicks. It didn't matter to me if I hurt people. And saying that now, like I carry with me deep shame and regret and very public baggage that everybody can see and that I'm constantly like you, you, you might get people bringing this up or that up, you know, like people are constantly reminding me of, and that's okay. It's okay. I deserve it all because they are a result of my actions. But the best way for somebody to maybe understand it is, and, and where I'm at now, and maybe you've gotten to a place like this, you know, we are not our mistakes. For example, a drug addict might steal and lie repeatedly to friends and family. Are they a horrible human being? No, they're an addict who made a ton of mistakes. And I know in my heart, I am a great person and I don't do things how I used to do them anymore. And sorry, I've talked forever, but thank you for listening. <laughs> no, I, I have so many questions based on what you just said. I love what you just said because... Um, you know, I can appreciate that people do things based on what's happened to them in their past, right? Um, so do you remember covering my story in particular? Of course. I mean, I don't remember exactly things that were written, but no, yeah. of course not. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I can just say from my experience, uh, you know, I had known you in the past and then I knew you from covering my story. I mean, you weren't the only journalist that covered things about me and then said, the things that were said about me. And, you know, it's, I'm not going to get into those things, but you are someone who knows how to narrate a scandal, right? Among other things. And it's very interesting 
to see how a scandal gets narrated, right? So I guess my question with that is, um, do you ever feel like you hesitate on narrating a scandal when you know a person is involved and see how that can affect that person when you know them? Sure, of course. Um, you know, especially now, you yeah. know, back when I was doing things differently, I didn't care, like I yeah. said. Yeah. Um, but but now I guess I when do. you know them, did it did it ever make you hesitate is my question. Because a lot of those celebrities you did sometimes yes sometimes no you know yeah. I, I would tell my i would tell myself things like well i've got a job to do and blah right. blah, blah, blah you know and it's click stuff. and it's clickbait and it's clickbait so it, it just carries on right so i guess it didn't matter at the time yeah it, it, you know it, it like i said i i i i totally knew what i was doing and you know, some people might be taking it back, like, wow, he's being real honest. Yes, I am. Like, why lie? Why sugarcoat things? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I was not a nice person. Right. So did a lot of, and, but, but what's, what's interesting is it didn't start off that way. Like, like anything like, or li like an addiction, it gets worse and worse and worse, right? Like toxicity makes you more toxic. The more that you engage, the more that you do it, the more drugs you do, the more drugs you want. So, you know, it, it just, it became uglier and darker and nastier and worse as the years went on, I think. So was there a story that broke the camel's back or something that broke the camel's back or was it having kids or what was that final moment for you that you were like, I have to stop? It was a, a twofold thing. It, it was a gradual wanting to change, but being afraid to. And for me, the the beginning of a desire to, to be better and do better was when I began my health journey in 2008. I lost a ton of weight, but I don't like to talk about it in terms of weight because I just mm -hmm. I like I like to frame it in terms of health. I became a healthier person in 2008, and I found that the happier I became, the healthier I became, the happier I became. Right. And not only was I a happier person, but I had different thoughts. It was wild. It was totally transformative for me. But by that point, I had been Perez for four plus years, and I was paralyzed into inaction. I was like, well, I established my brand as this thing. And if I change, people may not like it. So right. money mattered more to me than doing the right thing or, or just making that change. And then eventually there did come a point where there was that straw that broke the camel's back. It was in 2010. And there was this rash of gay teenagers that died by suicide. And it was so awful. There was this journalist named Dan Savage that created this campaign called It Gets Better. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but it was really simple. It was encouraging older folks to make videos to young people and sharing their stories. And I think the same day that he launched that campaign, I made a video and I was the first, to my knowledge, personality or public figure to make an It Gets Better video. And in that moment of darkness, I thought I was doing something positive to sh shine light. But the response that I got to my video was a smack to the head with a brick. And it shook me to my core because almost every single comment was, how dare you? How dare you make an It Gets Better video? You're a bully. You're a hypocrite. You are the problem. And that is at that moment, I said, I don't care if I lose everything. I don't care because this is not who I am in my heart. 
it's who I became. It's who I was in that moment, but it's not who I was in my core and in my essence and in my DNA. And listen, I'm still in the world of entertainment. I still have the same job, but I do it differently. Mm-hmm. I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just put new rims on it. And yeah. I think that that's also a good lesson because some people don't even realize what I did. For example, and maybe you even you even know him. You know a lot of people like Donald Trump. You know, mm-hmm. Donald Trump will literally say whatever he thinks. It doesn't matter to him who he hurts. He, he He's not a mindful person. He's the ultimate egoist, selfish narcissist. Right. And, you know, I am not like that anymore. I might still make mistakes. I'm not perfect. But my intention is never now to be purposefully cruel or just carelessly only wanting a click or attention or whatever it might be. Right, right. Um, And go back for one second. Why did you pick the name Perez Hilton? Because when I first started, I was using my real name and I got fired from a job. I was working as a receptionist at E as a temp and Around that same time, I started getting death threats from angry Clay Aiken fans because one of the <laughs> shitty things I did was I outed Clay Aiken, which oh. I don't do that anymore. Um, and and but you know what? It's like karma. You know, karma. I'm still dealing with karma. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the things that I did in the past, I am incredibly disliked, hated by the majority of gay men, and I'm a gay man, so. Right. That makes dating exceptionally hard. Right. But that's okay. I don't need a man. And that exceptional man will come along when the time is right. Right. And accept you. For if the time. time is right. If the right. time is right. I don't, if it's not right, then it's fine. Like I'm living a very happy life now with three young children and my mother that I also take care of. So I'm busy. That's right. But. Yeah. It's important to put out into the universe what you want. I do want that exceptional man. And I would make time for that exceptional man. Right. And, but he has to. Accept. Are you dating anyone? No. I, I, and But in the same realm that you talk about, right? So I think it's really important because I have a daughter. I'm a, I'm a single mother. How old is she? She's 10. And, okay. you know, and I have two dogs and I am a very headstrong person. I'm the mother and the father. I mean, I have an ex-husband who's, you know, involved in my daughter's life, but, you know, I feel like I'm the catcher in my life, right? I've done everything. I take care of everything in my life. And and you're your own cheerleader and you need to be your own cheerleader. Yes. And I've handled so many big, huge crises in my life. And I don't know anyone stronger than me in my life, right? So I need someone that I know has the answers that I can you know, I can fall and someone will catch me, but I've always caught myself. And I feel like I don't know anyone that is capable of doing what I've done for myself. And I want to find that person, but I don't know that I have let anyone be that strong. So um, I would love to find that person, but I don't know that there's someone yet for me. And are you still living in Manhattan? Where are you living these days? I live in Manhattan, but I'm moving to, I'm between here, New York and Florida, and I will be in Palm Beach come this next school year. My daughter will be going to school in Florida. We'll be living in Florida together. So, Oh, wow. Um, my why Florida? Well, why not? <laughs> Um, you know, New York has become a really hard place to live. And 
Um, my ex-husband and I have had a really difficult time the last 10 years, basically, but we finally have gotten to a place in our lives that we, um, you know, are able to have a civil conversation and we've gotten to a place where he's um, agreed to, um, you know, allow her to come to school and in Florida and live in Florida with me. And, you know, so we have gotten to that place where we can you know, agree on something finally. So did he put any parameters on you better not talk about me on your podcast? No, but after this conversation, he probably will. <laughs> um, well, we yeah, haven't so, really said you haven't, you haven't you haven't really said much. Yeah. No, but I said something nice about him that we're getting along. So all um, right. That's yeah. good. So um no, but everything's fine with us. Yeah. I feel like I've talked enough about myself. Like I want to interview you now. Well, wait a minute. We're still interviewing you. Let me ask you a couple more questions. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so um, no, tell me about fatherhood for a minute and and taking care of your mother. I know you moved to Vegas. How was that move? Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. Don't you have a dog? Is your dog still pooping have, on your floor? He's right here next to me. <laughs> Teddy. He's a he's a senior dog. Aww. Bless him. 15 years strong, but very healthy. No, I, you know. I, I I first wanted to move to Vegas in 2018. It's the best place ever. I uh, got hired to be the special celebrity guest host of Chippendales for the summer. And I was here for the entire summer, which some people might hate because it's the hottest time of the year. It's the best. But I'm from Miami. I'm from Miami originally. I'd rather live in a place that has extreme heat than extreme cold. Okay. Uh, and getting to live in Vegas as a local really opened my eyes about all of the wonderful things of the city. And I almost bought a house here at the time, but, and this might surprise people listening or, or watching, maybe old Perez might've been more reckless and careless, but now that I have three children and my mom that I'm taking care of, I'm by the rules, law abiding, all of that stuff. You know, I almost bought a house and then I wanted to rent it out as an Airbnb, but in 2018, the laws were different. You can only have an Airbnb in Vegas if it was a long-term rental mm -hmm. place. Everybody still listed their homes for shorter stays, but they were doing it illegally. And I just knew I'm a big target. And if I did that, I would get ratted out. And I'm too practical. Going back to like the having the day jobs when I was trying to make it as an actor, I just couldn't have a house sitting in Vegas. Sure. And not using it to make money. So thankfully, you know, in 2018, I got back into therapy. In, in 2020, I got back into therapy because of the pandemic. And life was real hard with three young children. And I don't know about you in New York, but in Los Angeles, like, listen, I would, I'm obviously a liberal person and progressive, but I'm pretty much a centrist. Like in LA and the school was just way too progressive, way too liberal. We were out of school for over a year and a half. Yeah. Like, crazy. like a year. Whereas here in Vegas, they were back in school real quick, which I like and I prefer and kids needed that. So I got back into therapy and it was my therapist that helped me get to Vegas because I had convinced myself that I was stuck in LA, that I had to stay in Los Angeles for my job. But no, you know, the pandemic showed us all we could live anywhere. We could work from anywhere. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think we'll all be happier here, not just me, but my kids as well. And my mom and, you know, being a father is the most important job that I have. It's mm -hmm. the thing that I work the hardest at. It's also the thing that gives me the most anxiety uh, because I am such a worrier and a planner and you can't control people. 
you can't control the future. You, it's important to be prepared and have, have plans and, and have money. Uh, mm. But I know at the end of the day, I'm doing my best. And thankfully, my best is exceptional because I'm extremely hard on myself. I put the bar so up high that even if I miss the bar, my failure is most people's successes. You know, so I love spending time with my kids, doing things with them. Like some parents, you know, they love to go on vacation for a week or two without their kids. Like I would never do that. You yeah, know, like I know, me too. some, yeah, some parents, you know, they'll send their kids away to camp for the summer for two months. I would never do that. Why are you having kids? Right. You know, so uh, it's the best thing ever, especially because each child is so different. Mm-hmm. And that's such an awesome thing. Like, yes, they're brother and sister, but they're so different and so special. And thankfully, I love them all equally. <laughs> oh, and they're so, it's so interesting what comes out of their mouth and they're so fun. And, you know, sometimes they're a complete nightmare and you're like, what? Of course. <laughs> but, like, you, know, what, you know, every day is a new day and it starts all over again. So um, I love my daughter. It's so much fun every day to to have her in my life. So I I just enjoy every minute with her. I agree with you. I don't send her to to sleepaway camp, anything like that. She's she's literally like my best friend. So and I didn't have a great um, relationship with my mother. So I feel very thankful that I do have a, a good relationship with my daughter. You know. Um, so I do have a couple more questions for you. You have a, a CBD um, brand, My True Ten. What's that? And do CBD things really work? I mean, I've like rubbed stuff on my back. I've seen things in gum. Isn't that a placebo thing? You know, the great thing about what we're doing at mytrue10.com is we'll give you your money back if you don't like it. And if it doesn't work for you, that's it. But that's tell me about it. What, but that. what is it? Is it is it in an oil? What is it? We just, we specialize in gummies, water soluble gummies, which means they are faster acting. It'll work quicker. It'll get into your system uh, it, within 10 minutes. That's why it's called My True 10. And what's but it supposed the to help with? I can't, it's, there's so many laws against that. Uh, you know, like I don't want to get a big fine by the FDA. Okay. Uh, but if you go to our website, you can check out the reviews and people, customers can tell you what it's helped them with. Um, yeah. Okay. So- I, I've learned. And it's, I've learned a lot and that's definitely been for me, a, a, a yapper and a talker. Like, I'm like, I can't even share my experience with it. Nope. Because I'm a partner in this. And if I was just a customer, then I could say, oh, I take it for this and it helped me with that and yada, yada, yada. Anyways. Um, but if I'm going to promote anything, you know, check out my podcast, per, the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker, because people that listen or watch podcasts usually do enjoy more than one podcast and you can check it out at perezpodcast.com. I've That's been listening Perez. to it. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Tell us where we can find it. Go ahead. Everywhere. It's, you know, just go to the link perezpodcast.com. It's, and it's me and my co-host who's this, you know, very different from me, straight dude that had this shared interest. But I think that's what makes great, you know, a, a great episode. We won't often agree and neither of us are pretending it's all real. And I love trying to get inside his brain and it, we talk everything trending and pop culture. And 
We will definitely on this coming week's episode be talking about all of the drama with Tiger Woods and his now ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So let's get into that for a second. First of all, I do want to say I've been listening to you guys. Chris Booker is really funny. He has me laughing. The dynamic. Oh, stop it. The dynamic between the two of you guys is really good. The the pairing is and the chemistry you guys have is is awesome. So, and I saw that he Thank followed you. me recent, recently on Instagram. Oh. So I was honored. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So let's talk about some of your top stories, I guess, this week. That's what I was going to ask you about. Um, so well, is, that what you're gonna, about- is that what you're going to cover this week? Yeah, because that whole thing broke after we recorded our last episode. Mm. So you have great insight into this. I'm just going to get into it. Now it's my show. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. So listen, so much time has passed. I don't remember all of the details of everything that happened with you in the past, but Mm. I believe you had signed an NDA with Tiger Woods, right? But then you fought. Oh, but then you fought it or, or something happened. And now you're able to talk about everything? Listen, the bottom line is, is that, um, yeah, I mean, I saw, yes, I signed an NDA, but it was, you know, after the fact. So there's a little bit of a different scenario here. So she apparently signed an NDA at the beginning of a relationship, which is completely different than somebody signing an NDA after a relationship to cover up things you don't want to be talked about, right? So there is a lot... This, there's a different scenario here that we're talking about. So, um, you know, I don't, I do think the NDAs are important when, um, you know, you're getting into a relationship with a celebrity or a high powered person and they want you to um, be protecting things that they don't want you to be getting into a relationship. And then you, you go off and they, you know, like for example, someone comes to work for you or you meet some guy tomorrow. And he is going to be around your kids. He's going to be around your mother for the next six years. And then you guys break up and he's mad at you. And then all of a sudden he wants to share all your dirty secrets. Do you think that's okay? I don't care. I wouldn't make anybody, I wouldn't make anybody sign an NDA. However, I wouldn't get married unless I'm marrying somebody with more money. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Okay. Different storyline. But yeah. But I, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make anybody sign an NDA. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that's you, but that's a, again, different scenario. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. And so the bottom line is. But it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So the whole thing is fascinating because, so remind me if you want, and and people listening, you signed an NDA after the fact Mm -hmm. that was attached to money, right? Like he paid you to be silent. Mm. Yes. But then you were not silent. So how did that happen? Well, you know, there's a New York Times article that was written maybe a year and a half ago that people should familiarize themselves with if they haven't already. That's, you know, probably 20 minute read, which if you're going to cover it this week with Chris, you guys should read it because it's very good. And it took them about eight months to write. Um, And it had to be about you. Yes, it was a full, you know, you know, cover story. that really talks about this whole scenario because I was paid, but I wasn't paid the full amount. And um, and it talks about how NDAs are sent to once an NDA is signed and then it's um, debated, it goes to arbitration 
And arbitration are where NDAs go to die and get buried. So you cannot talk about what happens in an arbitration. So the bottom line is, without getting into a lot of detail, I wasn't paid the full amount. Did that nullify the contract? So to speak. But again, you got to read the article because I can't necessarily talk about the details. But listen, to summarize that, I agreed to walk away with a scarlet letter for a lot of money. But I wasn't paid for the amount of money that I agreed to. So I spent the last 14 years getting just abused, called all these names. Um, you know, I went through life really having a very difficult time with um, not being able to talk, but one person got to have a major comeback, right? And so no one said anything about the man, but the woman has to be the mistress, the whore, the homewrecker. Um, you know, every time I would get into a relationship, I had to be the one that ruined a relationship. I had to have the the nastiness around me, but that person didn't have any sort of scorn. Do you know what I mean? And that really wasn't fair for me. It's been so difficult for me to get a normal job. It's I haven't been able to have I mean, a normal relationship. I would I would say though that Tiger Woods's past is still something that when I think of him and a, a lot of people, they still think of that too. Like I wouldn't, I mean, he might've had a comeback in golf, but in the public's perception, it, it's never going to be what it was before. I would say because of everything that happened with you, with all of the other women, like that was just crazy. It was like so many. And then with, you know, all of his other issues that he's gone through. So the bar, Rachel, the bar is so low. For example, Look at Mel Gibson. He yeah. was allegedly physically abusive towards his ex. Yeah. Said said racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic things. And he continued to have a thriving career in Hollywood for decades after that. So the bar is low. Let's talk about the the Tom Sandoval scandal, sure. right? Band so you watch rules. Yeah. yeah. So you talk, you see all the, the people in the surrounding um, storyline. Look at the anger that all those people have. And it's and all how- fake. It's all fake. It's all just clout chasing. It's it's performative to get attention for themselves. These are reality TV stars doing what they do best, stirring the pot. Sure, but don't you think a lot of those people are emanating like their anger? Like you see, it's a lot of right, hypocrisy because so many of Shana, those. Who who allegedly punched her wasn't she someone's mistress wasn't she yes uh, yes eddie and, and so eddie's yeah, eddie mistress? yeah yeah no, and then all... and then lala kent is so angry yeah, her she husband too. And cheated she too. on her so i have no like i'm not invested in this i get why they're angry but they all have their own history so what are they so mad about like it's like you're i'm listening to everybody like comment on this mm-hmm. stuff and it's just so incredible how how this has permeated the news and it's, and it's made it to the new york times and i'm like what are we talking about here this is a reality it's, tv show with on a level that was no one was really watching the show that much I and know, all of a sudden this I is know. the hottest show on tv so it's incredible th- that was my initial reaction too like they're all cheaters they've all cheated why are we shocked I'm not yeah. shocked. Right. And but by let's the way, go back none of them Ti- were married. So what's the big deal? Yeah. Let's go back to Tiger for a moment. Sure. His, his now ex-girlfriend, you know, she's been making news because of the NDA, because of the way he treated her with the breakup. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell her directly 
He had his people tell her that he was breaking up with her and a lot of shadiness. Have you reached out to that woman or has she reached out to you? Has there been any communication? No, I mean, but I, th- I no, of course not. Of course, I'm not going to reach out to her, but I think it'd be funny to have her on the podcast. We could sit here in silence and I could say brought to you by Tiger Woods NDA. <laughs> we could just sit here in silence. <laughs> no one would talk. No, but listen, you know, I think what's interesting is that if people watched like the HBO documentary um, that came out on Tiger that I, I was also in, people would know that this guy compartmentalizes things. This is not like a normal breakup that normal people are in. This guy wants to win. This guy wants to compete. I'm just speculating on two people, right? But this guy probably, you know, they've been probably breaking up for a while. And at some point he was like, this girl has to get out and she's not getting out. And he probably, you know, was like, guys, you got to get this girl out. And when she went on a trip, you know, he probably closed the doors. And I'm sure he gave her some money. This guy's, I mean, he's not an asshole. He probably gave her some money to live in a hotel, probably gave her some money. I saw an article recently that he gave or in the last day that he gave her some money to go live somewhere else. And, you know, I don't think there's anything weird about that. I think she was refusing to leave. I'm sure she was refusing to leave a house like that. You know, she also signed an NDA. We spoke about that. And now her lawyer is making noise contesting that, which is weird for me because I don't know, like nobody forced that woman. Nobody forces anybody to sign an NDA. Like if you really don't want to do it, you don't do it. So two things. One, do you have any empathy, sympathy? Do you feel bad for this woman? And two, do you think her lawyer will be successful and that the NDA should be tossed out? My personal opinion, I mean, listen, no one knows what happens behind closed doors besides two people in a relationship. I always caution people to be careful when you're judging things in a relationship, right? Even when there's court documents involved. Do I have empathy so, for her? Yes, because she's up against a machine. But, you know, it's a so different wait a minute. scenario. It, it didn't even occur to me. It didn't occur to me until you just explained it that way. Her lawyer in doing the doing this the way that he did, it could just be a tactic to try to get more money out of him. Is that what you is that a is that it, it? It could be a tactic, yeah. Maybe not more money, but it's it's a tactic to get this played out in the court of public opinion. But at the end of the day, money is what matters, right? Like why play it out in the court of public opinion if you don't want more money from him to make it go away? Or money to make it go away, yes. Mm. Yeah. It's all speculation. That's what we do, right? (laughs) Speculate. So, you know, everything that happened with you and the response that you got from people, what's the biggest lesson you learned from that all? Never take money to sign an NDA. It just chokes you. I mean, it ruined, it really was, it ruined my life for the last 14 years. It's been really, really hard to get my voice back, uh, to get your credibility back, to get people to respect you. Um, it's been really hard for me. Um, I mean, wow. you knew me as a person before that. Um, I had an amazing job. I had amazing friends. I was really happy. It's been really hard to get my footing back. Would you say you're happy now? I'm trying every day. I'm trying to get back there. I mean, I'm the same what? person I was when you knew me, but it's taken me some time to get back there. You know, I'm so misunderstood, right? That is my biggest challenge. So I have to. Every person I meet, it's like I have to address them uh, and get them to give me a chance one person at a time. That's my biggest challenge. Um, And so maybe like you too. Yeah. Same. You know, because 
Perez Hilton isn't my real name. Mm-hmm. It's Marco Lavandera. And, you know, I'm not always flamboyant and fabulous. Like some, you know, the, the real me isn't whom you might think he is. And people think they know you, right? People think they know everything yeah. about you. And you don't want to always be that person that people think uh, they know. You might want to sit at home and watch a documentary. You might want to be a recluse all the time. I am a recluse. I love watching Dateline all the time. You know, I'm obsessed with Nancy Grace. I want to figure out all the murder mysteries. Like, you know, I just want to be with my kid and I just want to find happiness. It's really, you know, it's it's hard navigating what people think about you and who you are, right? And finding that middle ground. So I think that's the biggest thing that's misunderstood. Yeah. I want to know if you were managing Britney Spears, what you would tell her to do and how you would manage her social media account. Well, I would not tell Brittany to do anything. I would lovingly suggest or encourage that she do everything in her power to be healthier and focus on her health. I think we've learned, I don't want to get into details, but we've learned enough over the last few months that it's not shocking to understand that Brittany has such a hatred and a distrust of doctors. And that puts her in a very difficult position because many, perhaps she might need the help of doctors. Mm-hmm. And if you can't trust doctors, but you need their help, and then you don't get help from doctors, that it's just a vicious cycle and hard. So I would just suggest that she do whatever she can to be a healthier person, whether that be see a doctor, a therapist, you know, whatever it is, not drink. I don't know. Um, so I would just encourage her to, to move forward on a path of health, health and wellness. And um, I would let her keep doing exactly what she's doing with her social media because it's making her happy. So who cares what people think, you know, like okay. do what makes you happy. It's not hurting anybody. Well. It is alleged, not even allegedly, it is hurting her children. Her kids have said they don't like it and they don't want that. But hopefully as her kids get older, they'll understand the insane amount of trauma that their mother has been through. And hopefully then they'll be more supportive of her healing her trauma in whatever ways are non-hurtful to her. Yeah. Okay. Great answer. Well, I could talk to you all day long. Um, and hopefully we'll do this again. And, sure. um, you know, I want you to give my best to Chris Booker. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I can't wait to see you when I come to Vegas.